Welcome to the Not Old Better Show Art of Living author interview series on radio and podcast. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and today's show is brought to you by Electric E-Bikes and EarthBreeze. We have a fantastic interview and subject today with our guest, sleep specialist, author, and scientist, Dr. Jade Wu, who I will introduce in just a moment. But quickly, if you missed any episodes, summer right now is a great time to catch up. Last week was our 727th episode when I spoke with historian, author, and Smithsonian associate C.W. Charlie Goodyear. C.W. Goodyear is author of the new book, President Garfield, From Radical to Unifier. Two weeks ago, I spoke with Joe Lindsay, freelance writer from Bicycling Magazine, who has written the wonderful article, Ugh, I'm in the car again, the best bike is one that gets you out of your car. Excellent subjects for our Not Old Better Show audience. If you missed those shows, along with any others, you can go back and check them out, along with my entire back catalog of shows, all free for you there on our website, notold-better.com. You can Google Not Old Better and get everything you need about us. Our guest today, Dr. Jade Wu, isn't just a sleep specialist. She's a researcher. She's a public speaker. She's an advocate, too. Dr. Wu's new book, Hello Sleep, is all about her mission to spread the gift of sleep so that people can be their healthiest, organizations can be their most innovative, and societies can sleep their way toward justice and healing. All great stuff. And Dr. Wu will tell us today that when you sleep is just as important as how much you sleep. Night owl, morning person, Dr. Wu tells us today that's not just a preference, but biology and part of who we are. Dr. Wu says we are hardwired to sleep at certain times. Dr. Wu is a board-certified sleep psychologist and sleep researcher at Duke University. Dr. Wu says everyone's body operates according to their circadian rhythm, a 24-hour clock that tells the body when to sleep, when to wake up. If you're looking forward to better sleep, including hard-to-find invaluable tips on sleeping, including Dr. Wu's assertion that she bets you're tired of being tired. A few weeks into sleep therapy, I noticed that Chris's sleep looked a lot better by the numbers. He was consistently taking 10 to 15 minutes to fall asleep and was only awake for 20 minutes on average during the night. This was a drastic change from before when he'd be awake for one to two hours on most nights. Great work, Chris. But there was one puzzling thing. He still rated his sleep as poor each morning. When I asked about this, Chris explained that he figured his sleep was bad because he still felt tired during the day. I'm dragging my feet through mud in the morning, and I feel exhausted by afternoon. If only I could feel less tired, I feel great about my sleep. I bet you're tired of being tired. Fatigue, this experience of feeling tired, exhausted, foggy, spent, or like you're dragging, is the most common symptom of insomnia. People with insomnia struggle with fatigue more than people with any other sleep disorder. That translates to millions of people who can relate to you and Chris. These legions of tired but wired zombies are so desperate to feel more energetic during the day that they have contributed to Starbucks being a $20 billion business. And if I had a dollar for every insomnia patient who's told me something along the lines of, if only I could get more sleep, I wouldn't be so exhausted all the time. Well, I still wouldn't be rich, but I'd be shopping in the organic session of Whole Foods. 
That, of course, is our guest today, Dr. Jade Wu, reading a passage from her new book, Hello, Sleep, The Science and Art of Overcoming Insomnia Without Medications. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show, Art of Living Author interview series on radio and podcast, Dr. Jade Wu. Dr. Jade Wu, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, well, thank you very much for joining us today. You've written this wonderful book, Hello, Sleep, The Science and Art of Overcoming Insomnia Without Medications. I appreciate you sharing it with me. Thank you so much for reading a passage from the book to our audience. Congratulations on this wonderful book. I'm excited about talking to you about it. I love the title, Hello, Sleep. It's almost like we are calling for you. And you talk about this, the the subtitle is being... Um, the Science and Art of Overcoming Insomnia Without Medications. I, I do want to understand the science, but I want to understand first the art. What, what do you mean by the art of overcoming insomnia without medications? Sure. Yes, I'm so glad you noticed the art in there. I think that's just as important, if not maybe even a little more important than the science piece. And that's because sleep is a very mysterious and beautiful thing that even the most cutting edge science doesn't fully understand yet. So sometimes I think we have a tendency in this new uh, world of technology and gadgets to focus too much on engineering sleep as if it's something that we could fully control just by turning up and down the dials of, you know, of, of our biology. But it's not really something we can fully control like that. So then what it really takes is building a good relationship with sleep, understanding your own sleep patterns, uh, being flexible and forgiving with your sleep, having a helpful attitude towards sleep and welcoming sleep uh, into conditions that are conducive and, you know, welcoming it, but not forcing it. So that's the art piece that's really important for people with insomnia. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I do love the title. I wonder if though we can step back for just a second and maybe share with our audience your own career journey regarding sleep. What led you to specialize in this field? Because it's an important one, certainly, and you're doing great work. So how did you get here? Well, thank you. I started out actually as a mood and anxiety researcher, as a as a clinical psychologist. So that's the foundation of my training. Um, and then I also moved over to studying Parkinson's disease and the the daytime sort of non-motor symptoms of Parkinson's disease. And you know, throughout these experiences, researching and treating patients, I just could not help but notice that everywhere I looked, whether it's depression, uh, Parkinson's, eating disorders, whoever, uh, everybody had one thing in common, which is that they had trouble sleeping. So I just thought, you know, if we could improve our sleep or improve everybody's sleep, even just by a little bit, then we're raising the water for all boats and just helping everyone, our whole society, to be healthier and happier. So that's what really turned me on to sleep, um, aside from just being an avid sleeper myself and <laughs> being a big fan of naps and whatnot. So, you know, research is me search. So, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, so that's how I got into this field. You got to do what you got to do. Uh-huh. <laughs> Good. Well, again, congratulations on the wonderful book. You say in the book, Dr. Wu, uh, that the brain really wants and knows how to sleep well. And I wonder if you'd describe the brain's inclination for, for this, these choices that, that it seems to be making on our behalf, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> sure. So sleep is a very, very basic biological fundamental 
process. It's like hunger, it's like breathing, it's like sex, you know, it's something so basic that our bodies really, really do uh, want to do this basic process. Um, so what that means is, you know, as we go through our day, we're building up sleep drive. Sleep drive is like your hunger for sleep. You know, the longer you go without eating, the hungrier you get. Longer you go without sleeping, the sleepier you get. And this is not something you can overcome. I mean, you can sort of temporarily override it with caffeine or anxiety or uh, ad adrenaline, you know. Uh, but sooner or later, sleep drive catches up with you and will make you sleep. Even prisoners of war who are under torture will eventually fall asleep um, because they're being so sleep deprived. So that's the fundamental drive towards sleep that our brains are always moving towards. And I think this is really good news for folks who have trouble sleeping because it, you know, it's sort of a promise that, yes, your body does know how to sleep. It even wants to. Uh, we just need to sort of take the barriers out of the way to allow your body to naturally do its job to do its do what it does best. Hmm. So, the in, the subject of insomnia and, and sleep disorders, of course, is so so important to your to your work. And you you have been so generous to read to us a passage from the book, and you introduced us to Chris and his feelings of fatigue. And I wonder if you talk a little bit about that related to insomnia and what what are some of the non medication approaches and and therapies that can be effective in managing and, and treating this condition, this condition of, of insomnia? Yeah, that's a great question. So starting with the, the main point here with Chris, uh, this is one of the most important uh, kind of turning points that my patients make is realizing the difference between tired versus sleepy. So Chris here is tired. He's exhausted. He's dragging. He's just like, blah. You know, that's how he feels during the day. But this does not necessarily mean that he's sleepy. So sleepy means you're about to fall asleep, whereas tired can be due to, you know, many other reasons. You're stressed, you're bored, you're, um, you know, you had a long day parenting a toddler, speaking from experience, you know, so there are many things that can lead you to be tired, but not necessarily uh you know, it does, does, doesn't necessarily mean that you saved up enough sleep drive to actually sleep. And when my patients with insomnia realize this, it's a big light bulb because then, you know, they're not crawling into bed at 9 p.m. thinking that they're so exhausted they must be able to fall asleep at this point, right? Well, sure, they're tired but not sleepy. So then if they go to bed long before they're sleepy, they're going to struggle to fall asleep. And then that frustration and anxiety uh, of not sleeping and tossing and turning in bed and sometimes getting angry at themselves for not sleeping, that just ends up uh, making them more revved up, body and mind, and having even more trouble falling asleep. And then that turns into a vicious cycle because that frustration and anxiety, guess what that does? It makes you more tired the next day. So this is one of the keys. Uh, you asked about other approaches to mm -hmm. insomnia. Um, the umbrella approach that is the the gold standard is called cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia and that's what my book is mostly based upon um, now there are some other sort of bonus you know approaches that you can add on to cbti uh, but cbti is essentially the core evidence-based 
you know, recommended by the American Academy of Sleep Medicine um, gold standard treatment. And CBTI, I liken it to sort of doing PT, like physical therapy, but for your sleep. You know, it's very hands-on, it's very assessment-focused, it's very solutions-focused, it's very personalized. You know, we look at somebody's sleep uh, as it's as it is right now, and we look for patterns, we look for the barriers that might be getting in the way of good sleep, and we try techniques and try um, new approaches to dismantle those, such as going to bed later when you're actually sleepy, um, or, you know, uh, practicing ways of resting during the day that is conducive to bringing down that hyperarousal, that uh, fight or flight system during the day to better prepare for nighttime sleep, or even adjusting things like how much light exposure you're getting during the day versus at night um, to really help reset your biology and also reset your mindset um, when it comes to sleep. So you have a more fluid kind of accepting a uh, happy attitude towards sleep so you're not dreading going to bed and you know make it, having a harder time falling asleep because you're dreading going to bed so I, i've kind of ranted a little bit here but just to give you a smattering of some of the uh, the topics we address in cbti We will be right back with Dr. Jade Wu, author of the new book, Hello Sleep. If you're one of 25 million Americans who struggle to fall asleep or stay asleep, you're feeling exhausted, please stay tuned for more with Dr. Jade Wu. I mentioned our sponsor today, Electric E-Bikes. I love this company and I love my electric e-bike. It's already July and my summer is going well, but man, is it going fast. I've been riding my electric e-bike a ton, going on long-distance rides in our local state parks. I took my foldable electric e-bike XP 3.0 to Shenandoah National Park at a ball riding everywhere, including tons and tons of trails there. I use the cargo rack to run lots of errands too. It's amazing. And I love exploring, riding, running errands, and just the pure joy from the bike and its range and speed. <laughs> I love the speed. I mentioned the electric e-bike XP 3.0, which is the bike that I have. It's the latest e-bike model from electric. It is fast, but it's super safe and it offers me freedom to get out, go about like never before. I've even ditched our car. Talk about that in just a second. But riding on an e-bike gives me so many more options in terms of the where I'm going. And I find that I'll map out longer distances just because I can. My old road bike, which has always been great, could reasonably go along with my pedal power about 10 to 15 miles in terms of range. Now with my electric e-bike XP 3.0, I can go 40 to 50 miles. The XP 3.0 is super comfortable and I upgraded the seat for my older behind, <laughs> making it just the right amount of cushy for my Yep, my rear end. <laughs> but I'll tell you this importantly for our environment, I have ditched my car. I do all my errands locally on my electric e-bike. Electric e-bikes created a mode of transportation that anyone 
can ride with quality feature-filled models that can be financed as low as $73 a month. Your adventures won't cost you a fortune. Electric e-bikes, particularly the XP 3.0, includes a powerful removable battery, a bright LCD display, seven-speed gearing, and five levels of pedal assist to power your ride. Electric e-bikes are foldable. Mine is. And they ship free, fully assembled. You're going to love the way it arrives in the box, just coming right out of the box assembled. It's amazing. XP 3.0 is the most popular e-bike in the industry, and the newly reimagined bike itself starts at just around $999. Features 28 miles per hour top speed, pure throttle on demand, lots of speed, lots of safety too, and updated programming, plus new hydraulic brakes for a smoother stopping experience. I view my bike as my adventure companion. I get to roam freely. Again, 28 miles per hour, just a twist of a throttle. Man, it really gets out there and moves. Plus, as I mentioned, I use the cargo basket, and I have some bags that I use too. All of the comfort upgrades like the new seat, even passenger accessories to certain e-bike models you can get from electric e-bikes. It's fantastic. Electric e-bikes cost way less than the competition. And again, they're affordable. They ship free and they come fully assembled. So rediscover your independence this summer with an XP 3.0 from Electric. View Electric e-bikes at electricebikes.com to learn more and explore the epic models Electric has to offer. That's Electric, L-E-C-T-R-I-C, ebikes.com. All of this will be in our show notes. Thanks, everybody. I mentioned our sponsor today, EarthBreeze, and their wonderful array of products featuring eco friendly laundry detergent sheets. Proudly, I am the laundry guy in our family. I love doing laundry, making the clothes smell good, doing something nice for my family. It's kind of zen for me, but I'll tell you what isn't zen is the knowledge that most laundry detergent comes in enormous plastic jugs and the pods only add to the plastics overwhelm, further degrading our environment. Who wants that? The sad fact is that 91% of those inconvenient, awkward, heavy jugs end up in landfills and oceans harming our planet and marine life. There has to be a better way. And it's not like you can just stop doing laundry. You know, I'm the laundry guy after all. I love doing it. So here's what I did. I switched to Earth Breeze. My new Earth Breeze laundry detergent eco sheets look like dryer sheets. Check them out on the website, but they are not dryer sheets. They are revolutionary. They're liquidless laundry detergent that dissolves 100% in any wash cycle, hot or cold. No measuring, no mess, and no heavy plastic jugs. Just toss the sheet in. EarthBreeze has really made the whole concept of detergent better, especially for our not old better show audience. The packaging is lightweight, it's biodegradable, and it is plastic free. It's great for all laundry lifestyles, even sensitive skin. Their eco sheets 
are hypoallergenic and dermatologists tested. That's amazing. EarthBreeze is compatible with HE, that's HE, high-efficiency washers, gray water systems, and it is septic tank safe. EarthBreeze offers flexible subscriptions that can be adjusted, paused, or canceled by you at any time. No contracts or fees. It's delivered right to your door via carbon-neutral shipping at a frequency you can set that works for your unique washing lifestyle. Most importantly, you still get a powerful clean. EarthBreeze is tough on stains. It fights odors, and your clothes come out clean every single time. I can tell you, I know for this, I can tell you I know this certainly because for us in our family, especially since I do the laundry here, I want to do it well, providing clean clothes to my family, but not destroy the planet, adding more plastic to our already oversaturated, congested with plastic oceans and wildlife. It's just not what I want to be doing. EarthBreeze is better for the planet, makes laundry easier, and no inconvenient, awkward, heavy jugs to lug around filling up landfills. Don't just take my word for it. You can try for yourself with EarthBreeze's risk-free, 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you don't like it, EarthBreeze will give you a full refund, no questions asked, and no return necessary. So switch from the old-fashioned goo to something new. Right now, our Not Old Better Show listeners can subscribe to EarthBreeze and save 40%. Go to earthbreeze.com slash NOB to get started. That's earthbreeze.com slash NOB for 40% off earthbreeze.com slash NOB. All of this will be in our show notes. Thanks, everybody. Now back with our guest, author of the new book, Hello, Sleep, Dr. Jade Wu. We're going to talk about the latest sleep science. Dr. Wu will be providing all of these wonderful step-by-step roadmaps and tips to better sleep. So please stay tuned. Enjoy Dr. Jade Wu. We are with Dr. Jade Wu. Dr. Jade Wu has written Hello Sleep, The Science and Art of Overcoming Insomnia Without Medications. Dr. Wu, the, the book is getting rave reviews, and I, I want to read one to you because I just thought this was so impressive. I think the audience will benefit from hearing this. You're, you're no doubt very familiar with Dr. Jennifer Munt, who is um, the Director of Behavioral Sleep Medicine, Sleep Medicine at Northwestern Medicine. Dr. Munt says, Hello Sleep gets a fundamental truth about insomnia that is often overlooked. Overcoming insomnia is not about trying harder, but rather repairing your relationship with sleep. This book provides concrete, science-based advice, and Dr. Wu writes with insight, compassion, and humor that will help readers regain a sense of wonder and appreciation toward their sleep. I think that says it all. I think you've said as much, and again, congratulations on the the wonderful book and, and all of your research. I think sleep is one of those things that's it's surrounded by various myths and mis- misconceptions, maybe about different light we have in the room, about different screens that all of us are on. And I wonder if you could, you might just debunk some of those, some of the common myths about sleep and, and share some of the evidence-based work that you've done and insights that, that you've uh, really um, uh, unearthed that, that contribute to a healthy sleep habit. 
I love this question. Uh, there are so many fun myths to debunk, but maybe I'll share <laughs> three quick ones today. Uh, one is the eight-hour myth, this idea that we all should get eight hours of sleep every night. But that's kind of like saying, you know, like LeBron James and Terry Gross should be getting the same amount of hmm. sleep, right? Like one is a professional athlete. One works in pod or podcasting radio, which is also like <laughs> uh, like tiring work, but in a <laughs> way, stressful. Right? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so we should really listen to our own bodies for how much sleep we need at this particular time in our life, because not only do we differ between you and me how much sleep we need, we also change throughout our lives. So when you're going through puberty versus when you're having kids versus when you're going through middle age or retirement, all of these different stages of life call for different amounts of sleep. And the great news is that your brain automatically adjusts how much sleep and what percentage of what stages of sleep to give you based on just what you need in that moment. So trust in your body and listen to your body for how much sleep you need. And the way you, t you can tell is if you get up at pretty much about the same time every day and be very consistent about that, then you just go to bed whenever you feel sleepy at night. Mm -hmm. And that'll pretty much settle into a, a consistent pattern. Um, and however, whenever, however much you're able to sleep when you're on that consistent pattern is pretty much how much sleep you're going to need for your body at this time. Mm -hmm. uh, the second myth I love is this idea that we ought to be sleeping through the night. Um, you know, as soon as a baby is born, everybody's asking, you know, when is she sleeping through the night? As if that's like the gold standard goal that we're all aiming towards, right? Um, but for someone between the age of 35 and about 65, mm -hmm. it they actually wake up about 10 to 16 times a night. And that's for a healthy sleeper on a typical night. So we actually wake up a whole bunch of times, uh, even more than 16 potentially when we're older. Um that's just a healthy part of sleep. It's like a whale diving down uh, into the deep water. They need to surface, you know, every once in a while. That's how our sleep is like. So just because you wake up during the night, and even if you remember, you know, three or four, five awakenings, that's not necessarily bad. Um, it's when we take a really long time to get back to sleep and start feeling uh, frustrated and anxious about it that that it becomes more of a problem. Um, and let's see, what should we do for the third myth that would hmm. be really fun? Um, let's do, okay, so let me brainstorm a little bit. Uh, oh, okay, let's do screens, because you, you mentioned mm -hmm. screens. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a really good one. So we often hear that we should not use screens in the evening because uh, Blue light will affect our melatonin secretion. Melatonin is the hormone that we naturally release at night to signal to the body to kind of prepare for sleep, to shut down and do its own, do its nighttime routine. Um, this is true. Blue light does affect melatonin secretion. But what's also true is that your brain remembers its recent photic history, which means recently how much light did it get? Not just right now how much light is in the environment, but recently how much. So if you get a big contrast between your daytime light and your evening light, 
then that's fine. You can still have some screens in the evenings. Uh, like if you go outside during the day and go for a walk, get at least 30 minutes of time in you know, broad daylight, then you can use some screens at night because your brain still knows the difference between day versus night. So you don't need to be screen celibate in order to have good sleep. I like that. Screen celibate. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. That's super helpful. So many in our audience are uh, aging, um, Perhaps they're in families with aging individuals. Menopause, of course, is a big subject for, for women as, as they age. What are some of the sleep issues that are related to aging and menopause for women? Yes, this is actually the most common swath of my patient population mm -hmm. is women are going through perimenopause or they are past it now, but they say that their sleep hasn't messed up ever since they went through menopause. So one thing to accept, I think, is that sleep does change when we go through middle age menopause as we get older, but change doesn't mean necessarily that it's going to be a problem forever. So we may have to adjust some things like sleeping uh, with, you know, more uh, less la fewer layers or more layers that you can take off so you can adjust your body temperature you know going to bed with a glass of ice beside your bed so that by the time you wake up with a hot flash you can it'll be cold water and you don't have to get out of bed to get your cold water to cool yourself down um and a healthy dose of acceptance too of just riding that heat or riding whatever emotion comes up uh, that comes along with the hot flash um to say, okay, well, this is what I'm experiencing right now. I don't need to rail against it necessarily. I don't need to fight against it. I will just ride the wave. You know, if and somebody's had a child before, you, know, you ride each contraction <laughs> when you're in labor as a wave, knowing that it will pass and it's just a part of the natural biology uh, of being a human woman. Um, so it's part of part of it is that um, on a broader picture, so not just in the moment with hot flashes, but in general, you may find yourself uh, waking up more often or needing less sleep. And that's OK, too. We also need to be flexible in our expectations of what happens with sleep. Now, it's extra important now to be active during the day um, and to practice mindfulness, which just be means being in the moment, in the here and now, um, and that which allows our bodies and our minds to to decompress and get grounded. Um, and really important to uh, take good care of ourselves in terms of nutrition and movement and even social engagement, because these things you know, living an active and, and fulfilling life during the day is really important for getting a good night's sleep. Um, and so uh, it, what I guess one more thing I would say about aging and sleep is watch out for changes in snoring hmm. and sleepiness during the day. If you feel sleepy during the day, not just tired, but like you could actually doze off while watching TV or while driving or while in a boring meeting or something like that, uh, and you're snoring at night, between these two things, there's a pretty good chance that you're experiencing at least some sleep apnea. Sleep apnea is extremely common as we get older, to the point where uh, men over the age of 65 or so, um, there's basically a coin 
tosses chance whether they have sleep apnea and certainly a much higher chance if um, they are a little heavier or they you know have higher blood pressure so that's definitely something to look out for because this has a huge impact on your overall well-being mental health physical health cardiovascular health especially and getting this treated can make a really really life-changing difference in your health and well-being and this goes for women too Fascinating. So helpful, Dr. Wu. I so appreciate your time. I, I, I just have one final question for you. I, I'm going to be a bit selfish here. This is kind of a, <laughs> a personal question for you. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, we've talked a little bit about the brain, and, and the brain wants and knows how to sleep well. My wife, Gretchen, she will describe herself as somebody who has a busy mind, and <laughs> she can fall asleep, but she wakes up again very soon. It's, it was interesting to hear you talk about waking up throughout the night. Uh, she's not yet 65, but she she will wake up, then she can't fall back asleep. And so how can we help her? <laughs> so seriously, what, what advice do you offer for people who I just so, can't shut down their brain? <laughs> I so empathize, Gretchen. <laughs> And you're certainly not alone, Gretchen. Many, many people have this busy brain. In fact, it's the most common thing I hear about with my insomnia patients. So uh, to summarize it in one sentence, I will say, let's try to get out of your mind and into your body. So what this means is instead of trying to fight with your thoughts or push them out or try to talk yourself out of them, um, you know, because when you're doing that, you're still up in your thoughts. Uh, What to do instead is to refocus your attention on your body. So listen to yourself, breathe for a moment and just notice the sensations of your breath. You can do a body scan, you know, notice the sensations in your toes. You can wiggle them, then in your feet, then in your ankles, calves, and you kind of work your way up your body without judgment of saying this is a good or bad sensation or what I should do about it or not do about it. We're just being curious. We're just being in the here and now with our body. Um, And you can extend that to your surroundings. Like, what do the sheets feel like on my body? You know, what sounds do I hear? Um, And and if it's still, you know, if you're still awake after a while, um, it's okay. You know, sometimes we just our bodies just need less sleep or our bodies are in an excited state and that's okay. Let's not stay in bed and get frustrated with that busy brain. Let's just get out of bed or at least sit up and do something else enjoyable, like reading a book or uh, taking a bubble bath or puttering around, you know, uh, messing with your herb garden. You know, I, I do that sometimes. And so the idea is to not try too hard to chase down sleep. And, or to wrestle with that busy brain. The idea is to get out of that state, distract yourself, switch gears, get into your body or get into your environment. Dr. Jade Wu, thank you so much. I, I know Gretchen is going to benefit from that. We we have the book, of course, but that uh, very personal attention that you've given to Gretchen is going to be so <laughs> wonderful. I know the rest of our audience will benefit so much from hearing you speak. You're such an advocate for sleeping, written this wonderful book, Hello, Sleep, The Science and Art of Overcoming Insomnia Without Medications. Thanks for your time. Thanks for generously reading, as I say, for all the research. Congrats on the book. My best to you. And uh, gosh, as you you do additional work on this subject, I know our audience would be very interested on an ongoing basis. Please come back and talk to us again. Oh, I would love to. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure, Paul. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you. 
My thanks to Dr. Jade Wu for her time, tips, and help to all who need a good night's sleep. Check out Dr. Wu's new book, Hello Sleep. My thanks to our sponsors, EarthBreeze and Electric Bikes, for sponsoring today's show. Please support our sponsors. Check out our show notes today for more details about EarthBreeze and Electric Bikes. My thanks to the Smithsonian team for all they do to support the show. My thanks to you, my wonderful Not Old Better Show audience here on radio and podcast. Please be well, be safe, and let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show, Art of Living, author interview series on radio and podcast. Thanks, everybody.